This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Time can feel like it's in short supply. Between work, family, and friends, there's very little time left just for you. What would you do with an extra hour in your day? What's important to you? Therapy can help you find what matters to you so that you can do more of it. It's a great way to increase self-awareness, build a greater sense of purpose, deal with overthinking, and more. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online and designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash be here now today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash be here now. Hello, and welcome again, friends, to the Creativity, Spirituality, and Making a Buck podcast on the Be Here Now Network with David Nickturn. My name is Michael Cammers. Welcome, and we sincerely hope this episode finds you as well as can be. This is a continuation on our What the Heck is Mindfulness series, and our topic today is Mindfulness and Strong Emotions. Welcome, David. Thank you again, Michael. We're back. So, you know, not a completely tangential thought, but maybe somewhat well. You mentioned the word well. It's in welcome, wellness. And it's the same word when you say, I hope you're well, which is what you said. Uh, you said, I hope you're well as as can be, which is, you know, I guess considering that there are obstacles we want to optimize our wellness, but we're not going to expect for perfection all the time. Uh, but also that the word well, I thought, is is where you get your water from. It's you go deeper into a well. You, you, uh, you know, penetrate into the earth and water comes up from the earth and you drink it. And um, that's the same word as wellness. And to, today's topic, we're talking about mindfulness and strong emotions which is an absolutely important topic for anybody who's practicing meditation to develop some kind of perspective uh, about what you do with emotions when you're doing your meditation practice or what you call emotions. So, And actually, there are different perspectives on this, so I just want to explore a couple of the range of it a little bit. On the one extreme, the instruction is just when you notice that you're thinking, right? you are sitting and following your breath, Breath, nice feeling, breath. And you allow your mind to sort of clear a little bit. And then some distracting thought arises like, oh, I wonder if I should have lunch today or skip it and just go straight. I had a pretty substantial breakfast, uh, good high protein. Been getting into those Beyond sausage patties lately. Beyond beef, wow, what a franchise. Wish I was wish I had a piece of stock in that when they were first getting started. Uh, and I had with egg and some avocado, nice, good quality fats in the avocado. Uh, Michael had some in his uh, shake that he was drinking in the last podcast we did. And we were talking about putting avocado. In. And then he mentioned that he had bananas and blueberries. Uh, and, and I realized that he's a sugar sneaking sugar in, into his into his health regime trying to look real healthy and green and it's all glucose 
<laughs> and uh, then, you know, I'm thinking, well, I had a pretty big breakfast. Oh, yeah, I was talking. What was I thinking about? I was thinking about my breakfast. David. I had a pretty- David. Oh, wait, what? What, Mike? <laughs> what happened? Oh, thinking. <laughs> ah, back to the breath. Uh, uh. and whether we like it or not that's what we call meditation we might have a dream that there's some way to stabilize to uh, clear the space from any kind of thought patterns or processes but quite frankly um, our approach that we've been taught, that we've learned, is not based on trying to suppress thoughts. Now, that's easy to see. A thought is like, just like you just interrupted me, you know, and well, there wasn't anything that important in what I was thinking there. You can see that it was kind of just rambling. And now I'm back. There's a sort of texture in the presence that's very strong, very um, compelling in a way, almost uh, too strong, too bright too brilliant but it has it's something to explore but what if i have a a series of thoughts like this i'm too fat i i'm eating all this healthy stuff and then at night when nobody's looking i'm getting a bag of chips out stuffing my face with chips and hummus and then i'm eating an entire hoop bar paleo chocolate all the same but i ate the whole bar And then I have to admit it, I did have some gelato. And underlying this is a terribly needy, uh, upset person that that I've become during this pandemic. I'm frightened. Uh, I'm scared. I'm uptight. Uh, I'm, I'm worried about the future. Oh, thinking. Well, that's a different thing, isn't it? The texture of that is different because there's feelings involved. So classically, what we say, as you know, Mike, in our, our, our way of teaching meditation, we say, just acknowledge the feelings. You can feel the feelings, let them be as they are, but cut into the narrative, the discursive part, the storyline. Just don't get carried away with the storyline. So you might just actually sense the feeling as a pure, pure energy or a you know, simpler direct experience. Some people would say, no, 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 no. Just cut through, go back to the breath. Don't have any texture to it. Don't have any exploration, any curiosity about feelings. So that's a good debate, you know, that people have about what meditation is and what it isn't. The part of the debate we take is the feelings are important, as are the thoughts for you to just see them more clearly as they are without kind of getting down, as we say, down the rabbit hole with them, right? So um, there's a lot to say about feelings. and whether or not we are using our meditation practice as a way of bypassing our feelings has become a big issue in the West and a good issue called spiritual bypassing. Are we using this practice as a way to quiet, repress, silence important feelings that we really might need to pay closer attention to because they're inviting us to have a more intimate relationship with our world and ourselves? Well... How could we tell the difference then? Between what and what? Well, if we're a practitioner, right? And so what you just laid out was, are we repressing our feelings in meditation? Or are we 
are we becoming more familiar with them, right? Because that's kind of a salient difference. And our broad definition of meditation in our lineage is to become familiar with, right? We, mm-hmm. see, we see things as they are. Gom, the Tibetan word gom, G-O-M, to become familiar. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and then, of course, there's another second-tier question, which is, how much are we just trying to do what somebody else told us to do by doing our practice? And how much of it are we using that as a pivot to just genuinely explore our own experience? You know, how, how much are we trying to be a good boy or girl or a non-binary person or whatever, however you conceive of your, your identity, which is some um, not critical in this case, uh, because we're still conceiving of having an identity of some form. Um, and it's also questionable whether Buddha, a Buddha even thinks in terms of self-identification and the importance of that. So that's a, maybe that's another good topic and, and we can explore the notion of identity, uh, uh, further from a Buddhist uh, perspective. So the question is, are we, um, just blindly following instructions? And, and noticing, well, I trust, I found a good teacher and they gave me good instructions and I followed them and I got where I was going. I didn't really second guess it or say, I asked, how do you get to Rome? person told me, go left here, right there, straight. And I just followed the instructions and now I'm in Rome. Or is the point that we process those instructions through, our, through the lens of our own experience? And what do we do when there's a cognitive dissonance between the instructions we received and our own intelligence? How's that for another another podcast? <laughs> yeah, I'm going to write these down, yeah. Of the, of the two witnesses. Uh, yeah, well, that's what they say at that level, but they don't necessarily say that at every level. Yeah. Yeah, so... Um, and that's another... We're going to have a talk, actually, uh, in our webinar, free webinar series. Um, that's going to be the third Wednesday of every month. Um Dharma Moon is going to have a free webinar. And the first one is going to be, may have already passed by the time this is published, but it would be uh, January 19th with Duncan Trussell on mindfulness and the cosmic joke. There's always going to be a mindfulness and peace. And then on February 16th with Krishnadas, mindfulness and devotion. Mm -hmm. And all year long, we're going to do mindfulness and something to, to juxtapose mindfulness with a particular something. Does it go well with it? Does it not go well with it? And if you are listening to this after these dates, you can check out everything that we have going on and all of our offerings at dharmamoon.com. God's bless you, Michael. Yeah, I mean, you know, fortunately, both of us being from the entertainment business, we know how to, you know, skillfully, gracefully, somewhat invisibly, but yet impeccably plant a plug in the middle of a seemingly innocent discourse. <laughs> what, I wonder what kind of strong emotions our listeners are feeling after being duped. <laughs> <laughs> well, that that is an interesting strong emotion, like the feeling of being duped or taken for a ride stimulates oh. a lot of strong emotions these days. A lot of people feel you know, that they've been duped or abused or put upon... That's another topic for that you could say the real topic for this um, th- this uh, David's view session 
is we uncovering topics for future ones. <laughs> we have a whole session of that, which is equivalent, Michael, of when people go to a restaurant, you ever notice this? And then they just talk about all the other restaurants that they've been to lately. Mm, oh, man, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But actually, you're in a restaurant right now eating. Uh, you know, so, oh, I had, a, yeah. Okay, yeah. Well, yeah. we can relate that to our emotions, right? Because we're experiencing an emotion in the present, right? And like that's like being at a restaurant. And then we have all these stories about all these other restaurants, all these other things that have happened. We're solidifying this narrative about this restaurant's the best, this restaurant's the worst. I didn't have good service here. They rolled the red carpet out for me here. And all <laughs> the time, you have a meal right under your nose. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, which raises a question of like, emotions don't really seem to be, well, they have two aspects. One is they are in the present. Like if you feel jealous, it's like very strong present feeling. And it's got a lot of physical corollaries and narrative that's going along with it and a kind of intensity of energy. It's got the body level, it's got the energy level, and it's got the kind of narrative level. But how much of that is only based on comparative to past and future circumstances. And if you take out the narrative of the past and the future and just experience what it feels like to be jealous, my personal take is it would be completely liberating. But that's a very avant-garde from a kind of, uh, you know, Theravadan or Hinayana Buddhist perspective, which the emotions are poisonous. I mean, when you hear a lot of Buddhist teachers, they talk about it like negative emotions. Dalai Lama, His Holiness the Dalai Lama talks about them you know negative emotions and they've even mapped them out i saw i saw in a film they he has some scientists working to map them out but are emotions negative in their intrinsic energetic quality i don't know have you ever been really angry is it negative i mean i'm i'm i like to keep these conversations to like what's happening right now but i <laughs> <laughs> Somebody completely go against everything we're talking about. One of your colleagues and friends, Susan Piver, I heard on uh, on another podcast, and she laid out like the three yana view, right? So uh -huh. about Tibetan Buddhism, there's a progress a progressing of views from the Hinayana, the Mahayana to the Vajrayana, and she put it very succinctly in a way that really landed with me. So I'm going to share it. On the Hinayana level, they're afflictive. On the Mahayana level, they're a bridge to compassion. And on the Vajrayana level, they're wisdom. Well, that's a very, you know, um, concise, uh, you know, maybe potentially very helpful way to look at it. And um, But in terms of us as a group of gathering here in this cyberspace, and we are practicing meditation. I don't think anybody would really be that interested in what we're talking about if they didn't practice some kind of meditation because it's like talking about fishing. You know, you don't even have a pole. Like, why would you go to a, a website that's talking about fishing if you didn't have a pole? So <clears throat> what happens to us when we're sitting and what would be a clear instruction or a clear uh, parameter how do we work with a, a feeling of jealousy that arises? Um, and we can recognize, wow, I'm not experiencing that now. You couldn't be, you cannot be experiencing the causality of emotions on a cushion because nothing's happening. Yet they you, arise. Nobody is making love to somebody else. You, you, there is no uh, food which is delicious and, and beautiful. There is nobody to punch. 
There is, if, if you're angry, nothing is happening on the cushion. That's well, there, there could be somebody sitting right next to you. It would be very unkind just to punch them. <laughs> well, that's really a funny idea. That's good New York. Um, you know, a good, a good New Yorker uh, cartoon. You know, um, two guys are meditating or two people are meditating next to each other. And one of them, that's the first frame. Second frame is, um, you know, one reaches over and punches the other. And the third frame, the other one says, what'd you do that for? And the fourth one says, I told you to shut up already. (laughs) (laughs) So, okay. In my mind, you know, stop sneezing, you know, or stop blowing your nose or something like that. Ah, you know, it's just... um, there's a difference between meditation and post-meditation, right? So, like, there's a distinction in our practice there because when we're in the world, we're we're acting, we're in the field, we're in motion, right? So if we're talking about meditating, the really, the slogan that we use is touch and go, right? Yeah. What does that mean? How do you do that? You're meditating, you're in your seat. You know, uh, a strong emotion arises. Uh, like you were saying, generally, there's a whole narrative along with it. And at some point, you magically notice your thinking, right? Mm-hmm. <sighs> In that moment, you see, you touch, right? So you touch, the emo- you touch the emotion, you label the thought thinking, and you return your attention to the breath. Yeah. So... A little aside, but the reason is that I'm smiling right now is because I go, well, you know, after I'm dead, if somebody wants to learn how to do mindfulness meditation, they could come see Michael. Oh, <laughs> you know, in our first session, you said you're going to have to pass this forward. And I was terrified. <laughs> we all were. <laughs> if we were smart, we were. Uh, yeah, you know, there's... um. Emotion, for example, there's an emotion. There's poignancy, there's sadness, there's tenderness, there's appreciation, there's love, there's um, um, sympathy, empathy. Um, you know, if, if you see a beautiful young child play, you know, uh, like I get on Instagram <clears throat> pictures of my granddaughter, Izzy, <clears throat> just having a blast, you know, learning something new. That's emotional. If, if, if we're going to take the approach that those kind of feelings are, don't have a place in being a human being, if you're like a Buddhist, I don't know. I, I, I have a hard time. Now, if they get sticky and you get defensive about them or you get stuck with them or something, it's a different story. But having feelings, I'm going to go on the record as saying, having, I'm going to go with Susan Piver's definition. It is wisdom, actually. Emotions are wisdom. Now, our relationship to them is another story. Well, I I think one of the really powerful frameworks of mindfulness, and this is good for our what the heck is mindfulness, is passion, aggression, and ignorance. Mm -hmm. Now, the Buddha Dharma, it's gets so expansive on this topic, but like just very simply, how do we usually relate to things? We grasp. We push away or we <laughs> ignore, right? 
So if yeah. we're working with our meditation and we're working with our emotions in, in meditation or post-meditation, if we're a mindfulness practitioner, we are sort of unwinding that habitual conditioned response of grasping, repressing, and ignoring. And that is a profound portal to walk through of transmutation from affliction to wisdom. Yeah. Yeah. So there's a, you're saying there's a graduation or transition. If you don't have those, and that's just like, you know, Tongue Rinpoche is saying uh, that, uh, that, um, those clashes are the manure of Bodhi, the fertilizer. If you didn't have them, there's really nothing to talk about, actually. The whole conversation becomes kind of useless, like it's it's too idealized. But now you have, and this is really, you know, here's what comes to mind right away in post-meditation. One of my previous partners in life had the miraculous capacity. We would go to a movie theater. And without exception, there would be somebody in the row behind us who would sit directly behind her and kick her chair. <laughs> it was like, you know how some people can magnetize different types of experience? And this is such a good experience for a Buddhist to have because without somebody kicking on your chair, this doesn't mean much, all this. It really comes into play when you see how somebody responds to somebody kicking their chair in a movie theater. You go, ah. And um, you then transmute the passion, aggression, and ignorance into, um, you know, pacifying, enriching, magnetizing, and destroying actions. They flip. So the ignorance becomes pacifying. You go, let's just create some space here. Let's not worry about this. Let's, let's move. If we need to, why don't we move over? You you can kick that chair by yourself. You know, the um, enriching. I realized the person behind her had a cough, and I had some cough drops. And I just reached behind and I said, "Would you like a couple of these?" And so you're making friends with somebody or something like that. It's harder for them to kick you when when friends. You don't kick your friends usually that that easily. Um, and then. Um, you know, the magnetizing um, is including, and you know, allowing some kind of harmony to develop. The destroying is, you know, I mean, I, I hate to say it, the Klesha version of destroying is if you don't stop kicking um, my partner's chair here, I'm going to kick yours, you know. Uh, you just get, that would be the neurotic pattern of it. How could you cut through that, you know, is I think the biggest art form of the day. Conflict resolution. If, if there was a genius on earth right now, and there are geniuses in music, there are geniuses in uh, art, I don't know if there are geniuses in leadership. It's harder to find somebody like a, um, you know, kind of leadership principles are at a genius level. How could we do conflict resolution? Like, we're not going to just new age our way out of conflict. You know, that just has, that doesn't work. So what do we do with that energy of aggression? I think particularly aggression. And maybe greed has come right behind it. So aggression and greed, if somebody wanted to do a very modern Buddhist practicum, I'd say, how do we work with aggression and greed in everyday life? That's a, that's a good one for 
and, that, and that's our final podcast for this for the we're this continuing series. our theme so thank you everybody and tune back in again for the genius of leadership how do we work with aggression and greed um what is identity in buddhism and I do. Do you remember any of the other ones? I wish I could call them all back to wrap. The wow. Up. Well, you got the recording. So, but that's those three. That's pretty good. Yeah. So, yeah, let's pull them out. And if any of you are listening, you know, we see your comments on YouTube, right? Don't we see the comments? Yes, we do. Right in. Let us know what you're thinking and what what uh, would be helpful for you to have us can you know talk about and jump into the conversation. Great. Okay. Thank you, David, and thank you, everyone. There you have it, folks. Another episode of What the Heck is Mindfulness? On David's view on creativity, spirituality, and making a buck. Our little nesting doll of podcasts. And uh, as you heard in this episode, we have many more podcasts to deliver to you. And we sincerely hope that they are a benefit. And they help you deepen your understanding and practice, not by taking our word for it, but by uh, contemplating what we say and mixing it with your own experience and seeing if it holds up for you. David mentioned some events during the, uh, the podcast on our Dharma Moon platform, and like we mentioned, they have passed. However, this should be uh, coming out the same day as... Pete Holmes joins us on the 27th. So go to dharmamoon.com to check out all of our upcoming events because uh, we'd love for you to join us. And as we said at the end of this podcast, if anybody has any suggestions for something for David and I to discuss related to Dharma, mindfulness, and everyday life, please shoot me an email at K at dharmamoon.com. Leave a message on one of our YouTube videos. I will very likely see it. I'm not always checking the comments on our old YouTube videos, but I do pop in to check them out. And if you would like to hear more podcasts with David and I, head over to BeHereNowNetwork.com slash David. And if you would just like to hear more amazing podcasts on the Be Here Now Network, just head to BeHereNowNetwork.com. Such an amazing resource and repository of human wisdom uh, where you can engage with it free of charge. So we would very much like to thank the Be Here Now Network and everyone working there, JR, Sarah, Corey, for all their help in putting this podcast together and getting the word out. So thank you. And to all of our listeners, please continue supporting the Be Here Now Network. And to conclude on a personal note, I would just like to reiterate that we all hope everyone who's listening is doing as well as can be. It was particularly poignant listening to the intro of this podcast today. Listening back, we recorded this one in January, so this was well before the Russian invasion of Ukraine. And uh, things continue to unfold on planet Earth with uh, many crises and disruptions that we are all facing and great tolls of human suffering. But within those, we can cultivate a sense of mindfulness and resilience individually and hopefully collectively and systemically for less suffering and oppression in the world. So just sending out good well wishes to everyone, wherever you may be. We sincerely hope that you are as well as can be. I don't know how else to frame it. May you be safe, healthy, and happy, and at ease. All the best.
This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Time can feel like it's in short supply. Between work, family, and friends, there's very little time left just for you. What would you do with an extra hour in your day? What's important to you? Therapy can help you find what matters to you so that you can do more of it. It's a great way to increase self-awareness, build a greater sense of purpose, deal with overthinking, and more. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online and designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash be here now today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash be here now.